<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lost at Home podcast. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm going to be joined by Scott Bear soon enough because we have an awesome interview that we are conducting this week with Mr. James Jude Courtney. We promised we were going to be speaking with him again. We weren't sure if we, was, we were going to be able to do it uh, before Halloween proper because of his busy interview schedule promoting Halloween ends, of course, as Michael Myers slash The Shape. Um, and uh, luckily, we were able to get in touch with the people and schedule it. They were gracious enough to schedule an interview uh, not too far before Halloween. So we were able to get this episode up on Halloween proper if you're listening to it as it dropped. So just in time, just in the nick of time, we all hope you're uh, enjoying this holiday. But even better, we hope you enjoyed Halloween ends. We have t- spoken to James Drew Courtney twice before, one for 2018, Halloween 2018, in episode 237. And in that one, we definitely go into a little bit more of his backstory of uh, how he came to do what he does, how we got the, the you know, the how we got into the part. Um, and uh, once again, for Halloween Kills in episode 321. Now, because we've already covered a lot of his backstory, things like that, we felt it would be better if you all just, if you want to know some of that, go back and listen to those episodes, obviously, too, if you want to learn more about Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. Um, but we're going to focus primarily, not exclusively, but primarily on Halloween ends in this interview. This is the first time we've had a guest on. Uh, for a, a third time, which is pretty exciting for us, and so we're just going to dive right into it with him. We do circle back to our 10 questions that we like to cover every time, so just because he's been on the third time doesn't mean we don't have yet another 10 questions to ask him, uh, so we have a lot of fun with that. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to uh, join Scott and uh, James Jude Courtney for the interview, and I hope you all enjoy this. All right, welcome back to the show, James Jude Courtney. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, you've you've uh, been here a couple times before. Of course, we are at the bittersweet end of the Halloween uh, trilogy. This this iteration's trilogy, anyway. Um, and uh, you know, we're really just excited to touch base again on, especially to see how you're feeling after everything's all rounded uh, rounded out. Last time we talked to you, um, it was actually you know we were a, a year out ish, but sort of in the middle still of the pandemic, and things were a little bit different. Um, just curious. You know, now that we're yet another year out from the uh, beginning of the pandemic, how was shooting this movie compared to the previous two? Well, in, in the pandemic made it really, really difficult. We couldn't have any uh, visitors on set. Um, we, uh, it was really, really kind of stressful for myself and, and Jamie and Andy because, um, for, for instance, had I uh, contracted COVID, they would have had to quarantine me for 10 days, which means they would have had to shut down production for 10 days which, you know, that, that's a lot, a lot of money. I mean, it's insured, but <laughs> somebody's got to pay it. So it was a lot of, a lot of pressure. I, um, I, I you know, I, I, um, my partner Sarah and I had rented a house or they rented a house for us. And, you know, the dog, the cat, my cat Parsible and my dog Cyrus and Sarah and I kept pretty cloistered um, the whole time. So it was, it, was, it was definitely different. Yeah, I can imagine it would be a little tough to shoot a Halloween movie without uh, The Shape or Michael Myers um, kicking around on that. Uh, you are clearly a pretty heavy force in this um, as, as the shooting goes. Um, and actually, uh, m- moving into the actual, we've already given people uh, a little alert ahead of time that there will be some spoilers. We're going to try to keep you know t- anything too crazy to a minimum, but we'll be mentioning a few things here. But one of the, the things that really interested me about this movie... Um, well, there's a lot of things that really interested me that I'd love to pick your brain about, but, um, I don't, you know, Michael Myers has always been a lone wolf. Um, and in this film, 
you act sort of as a, I don't know if you call it a mentor or a role model, uh, as twisted as that sound of sorts to Corey. Um, did that mentorship carry over to the preparation of this film between you and Rowan Campbell, the, the actor playing Corey? I know, as you said, you know, there was probably minimal uh, between the uh, scenes uh, interactions between everybody. But as far as, uh, you know, working hands on as far, you know, getting the kind of the attitude of the shape and what he transforms into. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, David knew where this was going last year when we were making uh, Halloween Kills. So um, at the premiere last year, David Gordon Green, uh, uh, you know, informed me that he was going to introduce me to Rowan and uh, that he you know, specifically wanted to create a you know, personal mentorship, um, create a relationship between Rowan and I, which was super easy to do. He's an awesome human being you know, incredibly bright, incredibly creative, deeply spiritual. He's just a really, really good guy. So, you know, we had a relationship going into the film and um, maintained, you know, and, 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 and more so that relationship blossomed as a friendship during the filming. And, um, and now, you know, I consider Rowan a, a good friend. So, and that was all, you know, that was fostered by, by David Gordon Green. But we, um, and, and prior to shooting, we got together and spent hours, you know, um, discussing, you know, the the motivations, the movement, the you know, this kind of things, and I think he did. I think he did a wonderful job. I, I agree, Agreed, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought like the nuance. Yeah, it was a very nuanced character that he had to come to the table with, um, and it, I, it, there, there's the a lot of stuff that they don't necessarily tell you. Things that happened, uh, you know, between the incident uh, that the movie starts out with, and you know, the quote unquote now that we're following in the film, and you kind of get to it, it lets the viewer kind of fill in the blanks of you know whether or not this person was always the way they were, whether they um, you know were you know abandoned essentially by this town and became a monster. And I kind of saw some parallels back with you know the original Halloween with Doctor Loomis talking about how you know he was always a monster, but then of course you you know consider that he was just thrown in. A, you know, a home as a crazy kid after what he did and, you know, whether or not there's certain, you know, elements of that that actually turned him into that. So seeing this kind of semi-short transformation into a Michael Myers-esque figure was, was uh, you know, very, very amazing. And I, I thought he did a great job. And I, I imagine based on some of his movements and some of the, it seems like the emotion between you two in the scenes, which seems like a, tr a crazy thing to say because it's, you know, you're this masked figure, but I could kind of sense sense some of that emotion there. And I think, you know, you, you both worked really strongly off one another. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the, you know, the, the, the typical exec, um, you know, not Ryan Turek, Ryan Turek gets it, but you know, the executives um, oftentimes will look at a character like this and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put a mask on any stuff, man, it'll work. And you know, that's going to be spoken by somebody who could never do it themselves. I mean, the depth of emotion you need to explore um, especially when you're wearing a mask, uh, is, you know, is, is you, you can't cheat. You can't lie about that. And, um, and I think Rowan, again, is just remarkably talented. So, um, he was, uh, he was, he was the right man for the job. I, I'm, I'm really proud of the work he did. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, you know, going back to when you were saying with the mask on, I've always felt that as well. I think the same thing about say voice actors, people are like, just put on a vo funny voice and you're like, so much of our emotions are conveyed through our face. We don't even realize it until you, you know, you put a mask on and how much people have to learn to act with their bodies or act with their, you know, mannerisms that they're not used to necessarily, um, other than us, you know, probably talking with our hands a lot. But, you know, the, the face is so important. So to learn how to act without one of the most, you know, uh, probably like, you know, strategically important acting uh, pieces in the arsenal has got to be a bit of a challenge there. But 
Yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, what it does actually, what it really does is just, you know, commands or demands of you that, or demands of the actor that you stay in that place of truth. I mean, Jimmy Cagney said, in order to be a, a, a good actor, you need to stand on two feet and tell the truth. And that's really the essential quality of, of quality acting, of good acting is, you know, that you in that so deep that you are telling the truth, that what's happening inside you is real. And, you know, you just can't fake it. I mean, there's so many tools in an actor's arsenal. I, I remember, you know, when I was young um, and I was studying, I had a private coach who had, uh, who had taught at the, you know, at the, um, sorry, at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And, you know, when he was grinding, he, he was, he was a tough taskmaster. And at one point he was grinding and grinding and grinding. I was like, dude, what's up with this? And he, he said, look, when you're inspired, you're as good as anybody. I mean, you can kill it when you're inspired. What we're working on is technique for you on the days that you're not inspired, the days that you're sick, the days that your dog just died, but you've got to go to work. I mean, those are the days when technique comes in and, you know, the technique, the acting, te all the deep work that we do um, can bring us back to that place where we're telling the truth because the audience knows. I mean, I call it the yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right quotient. I mean, it's like an audience can tell and at certain points they go, yeah, right. And I think you got about three yeah rights in a movie. And if they don't believe you by the third time, you've lost your audience. You know, and if you've lost your audience, that's it. It's done. Yeah, you can tell watching the movie that everyone who's in it cares a lot. And even watching some of the interviews, uh, we saw some with Jamie Lee Curtis, where there's actually some emotion in her when she talks about how this franchise has ended, how this movie has ended, and just how she feels about it in general. Now, I'm sure you have a similar set of emotions as the tr trilogy comes to a close. Uh, even though you've only been with the Halloween franchise for a short period of time, just for these three movies, how did you and Jamie Lee Curtis uh, channel these external emotions into your scenes? Oh, we, we definitely did. Um, the the power. Um, I mean, the you know, if you, as you can imagine, the finale, the scene between us. Um, if if it were edited in its totality, and like what we did was mu is much much longer than what you see on film right now. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if David adds a longer cut to that fight scene between us, um, to the Blu-ray. Um, there was a point, well, first of all, when, you know, when, before we started shooting that, um, I called her over to the side and said, Hey, let's, let's go through this beat by beat. And as we did, our eyes welled up with tears and, you know, it was, it was really, it was really emotional. And then at one point, um, when we finished a particular setup and I'm laying on the table, um, and you know, when, when you're done with a setup, it can take an hour, hour and a half, two hours to, to relight and, you know, it maybe, you know, set decoration, all this other kind of stuff, maybe, you know, prosthetics. Um, so there was one particular point in between setups where we silently just stayed there. I stayed laying on the table. She stood next to me and she held my hand and she never, we didn't speak. We didn't look at each other. We just held hands for an hour. And then we shot the next, sequ next sequence of, of takes, uh, you know, with a new setup. So, the emotions between us were really, really powerful because, you know, for her and I both, I mean, you know, because in my character, um, you know, there is the specter of the release of all that is this character, the pain, the, the darkness, the, you know, everything that made this character who he is. So, and then for her, she's carrying 45 years of this, you know, of this pathology, um, you know, some of what she's experienced in her own life. She's a recovering you know, she's in recovery. She's been sober 22 years. And, you know, it's a big part of, of, um, of Laura Strode's character in these, in these last three movies is being a woman in recovery and finding her strength. 
So the parallels are amazing. And, and it, it, she said, and I, and I absolutely will say that this is the deepest and most powerful I've ever gone as an actor. And it's, it's an honor for her to have said the same thing. That's really great. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can really feel it. It's pretty palpable. I would love to see um, you know extensions of that. Uh, she was specifically in the interview I'm thinking of with Mick Garris was uh, was referring to that you know the final scene, obviously you know the big the big showdown, and and she 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 brought up that same thing. And I think you can feel um, some of those parallels you know, in here. But she also was you know very happy thanking. Uh, you know, everybody out there, I was glad that she didn't run from her, you know, horror scream queen, um, you know, origins. And she was talking about how it, you know, made her and pretty much all of these things she can draw back from that one little movie. Um, now I know you've, you know, you've done plenty uh, before this and you'll do plenty after, but do you see any kind of, uh, any kind of, uh, of, of that, you know, kind of taking place now, or have you even had a chance to really think about, you know, the fact that you'll be remembered for generations as Michael Myers? I, you know, to be honest with you, man, I haven't even thought about it. I, uh, I mean, it's just been so whirlwind, you know, this entire year. And, um, and really until the premiere, I, you know, I did, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't really aware of it, but I really had not put the character down, um, spiritually until we showed up at the premiere. And then several days later, uh, you know, my life partner, Sarah, um, you know, said to me, so, you know, I was like, what does it feel like to be star in the number one movie in America? And I was like, God, I haven't even thought about it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this feels. And so I, I think this is going to take time. I think it's going to take, you know, months or, you know, maybe a year. I don't know to, to look back at it and go, Oh, this is what we accomplished. And this is, you know, this is the place it put me. And I, um, right now I'm just, you know, running on fumes and, and doing lots of interviews and, you know, podcasts like yours and, 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 um, and, you know, TV and radio and, and print and, um, so it's it's still in many ways still very much alive. For me. Yeah, I, th- I realized it was probably a little uh, unfair to be like Jamie Lee Curtis has had forty years to look back on this. Why do you feel the day after uh, the movie comes <laughs> out? But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you'll be you know uh, kind of following that thread back. Um, of course, now you know how big of a franchise Halloween is. Of course, when she started, it was just this little indie movie she got a chance to be in. And hey, that'll be fun and, and uh, see where it's taken her. So. Last year when we had you on the show, um, I believe Halloween Kills had just gone to number one, knocking James Bond out of the number one slot. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this year, there weren't any huge, I don't think there were any tentpole movies at the same time. Yeah, this one, but it was, it was once it again better where, this year. It, where it released uh, <laughs> simultaneously. That's why I would always get, uh, I always get irritated when... People are talking about how there's no room for to release stuff simultaneously on streaming and and, and uh, theaters at the same time, and I'm just like, I think that's just an excuse for bad movies sometimes that didn't get a great, um, you know, uh, theatrical because so far two years in a row, Halloween has showed the complete opposite, and a lot of it's a fan base, of course, but people can you can launch at home at the same time on Peacock and it can, you know, go to the theaters and people will still make it the number one movie and still give it a shot. Cause people want to see stuff in the theaters, especially, you know, the end of us, uh, you know, something so legendary here um, like this. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I know, I know people who own theater chains and um, they, they definitely took a hit on this. Um, and, you know, that's a, a business decision that universal made because, you know, they, they were using, they were building Peacock on the back of the Halloween franchise and and they they set records this uh, this time with the um, with the streaming on on Peacock so you know they got out of it what they wanted the theater owners suffered a little bit um, and, and you know this is all new technology so you know it, 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 we are all figuring out how to navigate this because 
you know, it's, it's, it's a business. And then everybody, if you're going to do business, in order for people to continue doing business, people have to make money. And so, you know, otherwise you don't get to do business. And, 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 and so, um, you know, I think we're all trying to figure out right now how to navigate this, you know, the streaming and theatrical release. And it changes the way our attorneys and agents and managers and, you know, producers deal with each other and, and studios and, and production companies. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm glad my particular take is I think people should see this film in the theaters because it's a big screen film. You know, and then my opinion is you should watch it on Peacock because David Gordon Green always puts Easter eggs in these movies. There's always things that you're just not going to catch the first time around, but you're going to catch it the second or third or fourth time. So, you know, David Gordon Green, is, I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he, he knew going into this what he was going to do from the very beginning, you know, when he decided to do a trilogy. Um, which, by the way, takes balls, man. It takes balls to do a trilogy. And it's you know, and it takes balls to direct the second film after the first one was so successful. And it takes, and it took incredible, you know, uh, courage to, to do Halloween Ends the way he did because, you know, he, we, we all took chances. But when you're creative, you, you've got to take chances, man. And, you know, when you take chances, you're going to piss people off. And, you know, that's just the way it rolls. Um, but I would, I would invite people to view these films through the lens of one film to look at Halloween 2018 as the first act, Halloween kills as the second act and Halloween ends as the third act. And so, you know, viewed through the lens is, is one very, very long film. Um, you know, I think fans might see it in a different light. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's literally my thought this morning was like, as taking this, cause I, you know, some of the criticisms I've heard, uh, you know, from different people and they'll, you know, I, I was always like Halloween kills felt like, you, you get it felt like the middle act where you're just getting the absolute carnage. You're getting kind of what I would consider sort of a bridge movie in this case, the bridging from between Act One and Act Three, and seeing this one and how you know how it how panned out so differently. It closed things up, but it also you know added a, a little extra, so, you know, some different senses to the story. I literally had that same thought this morning. I'm glad you kind of uh, you, you uh, helped confirm my my thoughts on that because that's what it feels like, and as I want to sit down and kind of just watch them as such in sort of a marathon mode with that. Uh, concept in mind for sure yeah yeah I mean, you know and I, I also think it's really I, I think it's a real testament um that the fans are so passionate about it that they are you know arguing back and forth about what they liked and what they didn't like and and they're offering their opinions and um you know it's it's uh I, i'm not going to get involved on that uh on that conversation on a fan by fan basis because i think that's really for the fans to discuss amongst themselves and of course let their opinions be known but it's really a testament to the franchise and it's a testament to the work. You know, it all starts at the top with, with a film and, you know, that's David Gordon Green. He, he set the, he set the tone, uh, he and Jamie. And I, I think, you know, they set the tone and we all just harmonize with that tone. And, and here's the deal. I, I like him, you know, working on a film. I, I like working, you know, like being on a football team. And when you, when you play football, you, if there's any chance at all of winning a championship, You've got to buy into the coach's program, whether you agree with it or not, whether you see it or not. If you're on that team, you've got to buy into his program and do your best. And of course, you know, then you, then you, then you have a relationship with coaches and you offer your input and your ideas, which, you know, David Gordon Green is, in, is incredible at, at opening up the field for any creative inspiration and input, but you got to buy into it. And so, you know, buying into you know, David's program uh, for has just been a wonderful experience because He's just so talented. Um, and, it, and it's, you know, I, I think it's borne out. 
Yeah. I like earlier how you mentioned that he uh, packed some Easter eggs in, and that's a great reason to watch it on Paramount Plus again. You know, just Peacock. To try to catch. Oh, yeah, pe- yeah Peacock. Sorry, uh, to catch those. Um, I read an article last night before bed that actually said there is an alternate ending, which may make its way onto, say, a Blu-ray release sometime down the road. Uh, that kind of brought in Season of the Witch, the one Halloween movie that's not a Halloween movie, really. Yeah. Uh, it was actually going to end at the Shamrock Factory, where they make the masks and show all the masks from that movie, plus a Mike Myers mask coming off the assembly line. Okay. And I just love that concept of pulling that in. And he did actually get a Season of the Witch uh, uh, Easter egg in the movie. Uh, the opening credits are a different color than all the rest of the Halloween movies. They match the season of the witch's color. Oh, nice! I, it's 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 You're trying to bring rare. that one lone movie that kind of stands apart yeah, from the rest everybody, of the, the, the little fold. the little stepchild that everybody kind of crapped on for so long. Till I watched that this classic. year, I yeah. liked it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's one of the few movies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's I mean, I I I am definitely looking forward to doing a rewatch and taking a look, and of course, you know, following plenty of people online, the nerds find it pretty quick and uh you know are, are very happy to create reddit threads with the entire list too. <laughs> yep yeah well you know it's kind of great is i uh last weekend i actually had uh had drinks with tommy lee wallace and um you know we directed season of the witch and and um and it's really funny how you know for a long while um it was so maligned by so many fans but now people have come around to seeing it for its genius and 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 have really come to appreciate it and tommy was saying is like you know because he was reading the press on, you know, I was sitting outside, you know, with he and Chris Nelson and, um, uh, and, and, uh, Nick Castle, we were, we were all sitting outside just kind of talking about this, you know, this whole process and, and, um, uh, you know, just enjoying each other's company. And, and we all kind of agreed that, you know, it's uh, the, that the people, that, um, a preponderance probably of the people who are really, uh, enjoying Halloween ends right now in the future, we'll look back at it with, you know, with a, with a different point of view. Um, so I, yeah, I think this, just like, see, just like the, you know, just like uh, Tommy Lee Wallace's, um, iteration, I think, you know, this third, this third part of the trilogy is going to be looked at, you know, much differently in, in, in years to come. Agreed. Fair enough. And, uh, not to spoil the end of the movie, but if we do get into any spoiler territory, we will have already warned people well ahead of time. <laughs> um, do you think there's any way, with the way the movie ends, that there could be any iteration of Michael Myers carrying this story forward? Do you think there's any way to to, to <laughs> rig this one to get him back? I mean, let's put it this way: it's like you know, for me, for Jamie, for for David Gordon Green, for Andy, for all of us, um, this is the this is the end. We we did. Uh, and, and again, I'll, I'll take it back to football. Like, you know, we just won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I'm not Tom Brady, dude. I'm not going to keep coming back and like losing. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it, I think for me, uh, I'm done. And, um, and, you know, I've got other things to move on to. Now, as far as the franchise goes, you know, first of all, I, I think it would be kind of foolish right now to, to try to, you know, ramp it right back up. Um, but you know, like, you know, Rob Zombie films, we waited seven years after those, I think it was before we did 2018. Now, you know, who knows, seven, 10 years. I mean, some, some young director or some, you know, somebody might have some brilliant idea to take it in another place, maybe prior to 2018, who knows? And, and, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful franchise. It brings a lot of joy to people. I, to be honest, I can't imagine it not being you know resurrected but i'm I, I would bet it's going to be a very long time fair enough now uh well regardless of the shapes future what's next for james jude courtney well i'm i'm, I'm working on two films and and i've got a television thing going none of which i can talk about and 
when I get the okay and I can release it on IMDb, then I'll release it on my social media. Um, but yeah, we're, there's some really, some really exciting stuff happening and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's turning out as it was looking like a very busy couple of years ahead for me. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't want to, sometimes it's a stressful uh, uh, question for folks that are literally still in the middle of their press junkets and they're, they're running around promotions and stuff. So, now uh, what? Now yeah, what? Yeah, Give come me on. more. Yeah, quick, quick, <laughs> come on, feed the beast. But uh, it sounds like you're feeding the beast pretty, pretty well. So excited to hear what you got going on. We'll definitely be uh, following those. And um, we've, uh, as, as we've uh, mentioned before, and as you already know, because you've been on the show a couple of times, we like to end with 10 kind of fun little uh, quirky questions, um, uh, just little ten, uh, interview questions you may not have been asked in an interview before, um, except for maybe a couple that we had asked you in some previous ones we want some follow-ups on. But um, I'm going to start kicking right on into these, and just we're just going to have some fun. Feel free to take as little or as much time as you want um, and just have some fun with these. Um, the first one, I can't remember if we asked this originally, but we like to know this, and it's, uh, it is uh, seasonally appropriate. What was your favorite Halloween candy as a kid? Or now? That was, uh, as a kid, was was candy corn. I think I, I think I said that last time, but you know, I might be lying. <laughs> that, that's the first answer that came to mind, though. Hey, the truth usually bubbles up first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, number two, and this is getting a long way from candy. You have to stay fit for your roles. What's your go-to healthy food that fits into your health regime? Uh, meat. I I I eat a lot of raw. Uh, filet mignon. We grind it up, put it on rye crackers with olive oil, lemon, pepper, and salt, and it's amazing. And it's amazing how strong you are the day after you eat raw meat. So, yeah, I'm a carnivore. Great, great. It's <laughs> good to hear there. A little steak uh, tartare. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I do like uh, I do like the fact we had a little bit of a typo in our notes, and it was a health regime and not a health regiment. So, uh, <laughs> which also could work if you're if you're uh, lording over a carnivorous kingdom. I guess it could be your health regime. Um, uh, and I, I, we're just gonna flip on the other side of that. Um, in general, like nowadays, what's your favorite junk food? Oh wow, um, it's, you know it's 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 really rare that I do it, but it's uh, it's ice cream, man. It's you know. Um, but I, it's so, so rare. I really limit myself to, you know, every few months, um, enjoying it because it, it's, uh, it's, 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 I, I, the fat is great. I have a high fat, high protein diet, uh, with vegetables and low carbs. I mean, that's what really fuels my body. Um, but you know, the, it's the sugar in, um, in ice cream. I just stay away from sugar. Um, you know, so sort of the, you know, alcohol and, you know, wine occasionally, you know, the sugars you find in alcohol, like wine. I've had beer very rarely. Um, wine more often than, you know, than, than that. But um, uh, it, I, I stay away from sugar. It's, it's sugar. Is, it's, uh, it's crazy, man, because, you know, uh, I remember learning this in, in school, like, you know, years ago, that you can document the rise to mental illness, the rise of mental illness in Great Britain to the use of sugar when they, when they populated the, the Indies, the East Indies, um, the West Indies, and they started all the sugar plantations and all of a sudden sugar and confections became a big part of English life. Um, the me- mental health issues rapidly rose. It's, it's really a, you know, then, and then of course you're dealing with, you know, with physical issues like diabetes and hypertension and all those other things. So, um, I find for, for my health, um, you know, I'm 65 years old and, and I'll, I'll be 66 soon. And I'm still very, very strong. I still train hard. Um, I'm, you know, I have, I have the blood work of a man half my age. And part of that is because well, probably a large part of that is because of the way I eat. 
Yeah, and I think uh, you know, sticking to the 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 foods that you can actually see were once dead slash, and then you can cook, or rather, once alive that you can then cook, whether it be veg- vegetables purely versus buying something prepackaged. The thing that always irritated me was looking at things that have no business having sugar in it, and I'll be like, what? Do, like these, you know, pickles or this bread having you know, pickles high is the one that always gets syrup. me. Yeah. Why is there sugar in pickles? Yeah, not not even necessarily <laughs> the 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 sweet ones. You know, I could I could, but yeah. Anyway, so I've I've definitely it's it's tough. How tough they make it. They're just like it. How tough it can be if you're just out there buying prepackaged foods to stay away from sugar unless you really are paying close attention. Then once you become aware of it and you start tracking it, you're like, holy crap, everything has way too much of this. And I guess I'm just going to have to pick a carrot and, you know, cook a slab of meat. And well, at least I know I didn't add sugar to that. So very good. All right. Moving on. Number four. Uh, back in 2018, we asked what scared you. It's 2022, and now we want to know what makes you laugh. What is your favorite comedy movie? Wow. Well, okay. There's a couple of go-tos, but my brothers and I make it a ritual. Um, over Christmas, we watch certain movies like It's a Wonderful Life, and the, the, the go-to comedy for my brothers and I is Tommy Boy. Oh, nice. That's yep. a great way out. That is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just such a classic, man. It's just, I mean, it's it's just, you know, it's just, I mean, it reminds, I think it reminds every male of what it's like to be, you know, a, a big dumb boy, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's just, it, it, I love those movies that you can, you know, you can watch over and over again and still laugh, you know, yeah. and, or still be scared. I mean, and, and Tommy Boy is definitely right up there, man. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I'm right there with you with plenty of those where you have to, uh, you don't have to necessarily watch them with other people, but it, you know, you can, you can watch them with the same group of people all over and over, and you'll be, I, I, you know, got certain stuff. I'll be, we'll literally just be facing each other, not even watching the movie, uh, reciting the next thing that the person's gonna say, which has got to be obnoxious for people who, <laughs> yeah. who don't do that, but for us, it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's so, so much of the fun. But, uh, and you actually already touched a little bit on our, our, our next question, so maybe it's already answered, but since we're discussing Halloween, I have to ask, what is your favorite Christmas tradition uh, that you do with your loved ones? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the things we do is, you know, like, because, you know, I have six brothers, well, you know, uh, two of them passed, so four remaining, and, and now that, you know, the, 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 um, the nephews join in now that, you know, the ones that are out of college now are still in college. You know, the older ones will sit there with us. And, and, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, you know, I mean, lots of sports for sure. Um, you know, over the Christmas holidays and, you know, I, my family and I are very close. And so, um, but definitely, you know, it's a wonderful life is also, you know, the Frank Capra film, uh, Jimmy Stewart. It's, it's, a just a, just a beautiful, beautiful film. And, um, and it, it kind of reminds us of, you know, why we're here. Um, it's a wonderful reminder over the holidays to, to be generous, you know, to, to live life in gratitude, to not let the, you know, sweat the small things. And, and it reminds us that, you know, life is filled with challenges. And, and, you know, so it's really about how do we meet those challenges? So Frank Capra is, you know, has been a a very, has been inspirational to me anyhow as a filmmaker, but it's a wonderful life is definitely a big part of that tradition. All right. Uh, that's great. Uh, number six. Uh, actually, I want to expand on this, Jer. Sorry, yes. I didn't write this down. I would, yeah. Um, I have two questions. One is not part of this. One is my own. Uh, did they let you keep a Mike Myers, the shape mask, when you were done filming? 
Yes, I well, that's in my contract. <laughs> they didn't okay. let me keep it. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I kind of figured if you did the film, they they yeah, well, one I mean, way or another, you'd end up with one. It's, yeah, it's good. It's good that you had the foresight because some people might just be like, oh, they'll you know give it back. But sometimes productions are just like, no, this has to be re spray painted and used for you know something else over on you know plot <laughs> over on the, you know this other Warner's lot or something. So you never know. Yeah. I'm glad you got it. Yeah, that... Well, the value of them. I mean, the amount of money I've been offered for these masks is just through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I bet. And, you know, especially because they're hero masks, you know. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's uh, you know, so I keep them in a safe place. I'll, I'll pull them out occasionally if I have the time for, for cameos, um, you know, so fans can see them. Um, and at a certain point, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, Christopher Nelson has a, a, a guy who does a very in-depth um process to to stabilize the masks because especially because they're so beat up from having been worn i mean i can't put them on i can't put them on myself christopher you know christopher or one of his assistants would always have to apply them sometimes it took two people to apply the mask to me because it's built to my face which is why nobody else could play the character um in the one scene that uh that nick castle does in 2018 um they had to shoot that at a long they had to do that on a long shot you know when he's standing up in the window when Lord strode pulls up because his face is longer than mine. It, it, it twisted and morphed the mask. And then when we cut to, in that same scene, when they shoot the gun in 2018 into the mirror, um, for two reasons. They, one, they had the mask on me because it's a close shot. And secondly, they, you know, the, uh, Heath Hood, the special effects coordinator, um, was like literally two feet behind me and one foot over with a gun shooting that projectile. So that's not a place that Nick Castle felt comfortable being, but of course I, you know, I, I live for that crap. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, so, but the thing is, is, you know, um, I, uh, I was stunt double on one scene in, um, 2018. That was somebody who fell down, you know, did a stair fall. And again, that was a long shot. You can't get even close to the mask. And then, um, I was stunt double on, on kills one shot, jumping off the top of the SUV. And that was done because, um, you know, if I sprained my ankle, I wouldn't be able to move the way I moved. And sure enough, uh, the stunt double, uh, you know, he, he, uh, uh, Doug Tate, he, he sprained his ankle. I mean, in all fairness, you know, he, it's, it's a tough jump. You're looking straight forward. He was landing on dolly tracks. Um, so it was, just, it was custom built for injury. But again, they didn't show the face because his face is built different than mine. And so you couldn't show the mask. And, you know, so Nick Castle did one cameo in... Halloween 2018. He wasn't in Halloween Kills, even though, you know, Bumhouse Publicity advertised that he was back, which was, you know, a little bit of a point of contention, um, uh, you know, for Nick and I both um, didn't, were too happy about that. But, uh, you know, we, we got it straight for Halloween ends and uh, Nick came in and did a wonderful human cameo. And, uh, and it's fun and funny. And uh, yeah, so, you know, very good. And uh, I did allude that this was a two-part question that I was actually springing on Jeremiah as well. It's not in the notes. Um, the second half of the question is, will you be dressing as Michael Myers this year for Halloween or as something else? <laughs> I will never dress as Michael Myers. I will never put on that mask. I will never put on that costume. Because, you know, the, the, the muscle memory, the sense memory of what that means, who I am when I do that is not a place that I, you know, take very lightly. It's a deep spiritual place. I don't, I don't call it a dark place. I mean, it is, but I, you know, for me, it's a place beyond three dimensions. It's, it's like a, five, a 5d reality. It's beyond duality. It's beyond right and wrong and black and white and, and hot and cold. 
it just is. And, and so, but it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a deep, deep place. So I will never put on that. You know, I, I'm more likely to go as Captain Morgan or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, of, lot nice. of sugar in that there, Captain Morgan. I don't know, man. Uh, so you got to watch out for that stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, well, let's say there, uh, this, uh, this next question, number seven here, has a little bit of a setup here, a little thought experiment, so bear with me. Let's say there's a parallel universe, because they definitely exist, where James Jude Courtney didn't get the job to portray the shape, but got his pick to portray any other legendary slasher. Who would this other James pick to portray? Wow. Wow. That's so, that's such a tough question, man. Um, because, wow. I, it's, it, I, 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 I would have to say that um, I would sort of couch that with, I have the greatest appreciation for what Robert England did as, as Fred Krueger. Um, so I, I think because that character is so nuanced, and, you know, um, and kind of has a, has a really wonderful little humorous quality. Um, that's, that's really, um, I, I, I would never, I would never want to duplicate. I, I'm like, for instance, going in and doing Freddy Krueger after Robert England has done it. I would never do. If someone offered it to me, I'd say no. Um, he's done, he's done that. But if there were a character that were, as similarly nuanced um, and had the, you know, this blank sort of canvas to, to create in um, like, you know, Robert had um, with this character, I, I would, you know, I would have, I would look forward to that. Something that has those sort of like cat like moves. And, you know, so, I mean, the same thing I played in Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I played the Kinderstone. Um, you know, it was, it, it, it was, there was a lot of movement involved. They're, they're very balletic and nuanced and, you know, and, and a lot of depth. So yeah. that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, yeah actually, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous of this parallel universe now because they have the, whatever this new character is that we don't have over here. So a little bit jealous. All right. Number eight, Scott. All right. Um, so we did a count of all of the kills that the shape Michael Myers did in these three movies, the new trilogy. And we'd like you, uh, you may already know the answer to this, so if you do, just go ahead. But uh, we'd like you to take a guess at how many kills you got in in all three movies combined. Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, God. Uh, Ballpark? Uh, yeah, yeah, 30? 30? Oh, close, close. Uh, well, 49 is the number yeah, yeah, we you, came yeah, up you're, with. You're, you're, under shoot, you're under, uh, undervaluing your... your uh... <laughs> Your murderous <laughs> rampages there, buddy. Yeah, 49 yeah. was the number we came up yeah, with. Yeah, 49. So, 1630 and... Well, I'm a, I, I'm a humble I'm a humble murderer. Yeah. I, yes. I, I don't brag on myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was just 30, 35. Yeah. You, you, you knew the whole time. <laughs> I don't brag. <laughs> um, number nine here. Uh, uh, so, John and uh, now Cody Carpenter's Halloween theme is legendary uh, and is, of course, associated with Michael Myers' whole ha Halloween franchise. But when you, when you hear it, you see Michael Myers, at least I do in my head. Um, now, let's say, uh, uh, what, which musician or band would you choose to create a James Jude Courtney theme song to play every time you entered a room? Wow. That would... It's sort of my way of asking what's a you know what? favorite band, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, see, well, here's here's the deal. Um, I, I'm I've been deeply, deeply influenced as an artist by David Bowie. Um, hands down, one of my greatest influences as an artist, not not only as a musician but as an actor, as a writer. Um, you know, the, it, it, I mean, hands down, um, 
REM was has been my second uh, most favorite band of all time, and and I still listen to both those you know bands continuously. You know Bob Marley, of course, and then flash forward to now, you know my my friends uh, Spencer Charnas and Ice Nine Kills, and my buddy Zach Myers, who's in Halloween Ends. Um, and by the way, his name his real name is Michael Zachary Myers. Um, so you know Shine Down Shine Down does some really incredible, really incredible music. I mean, if, you know, they, they, in fact, it's funny. Um, we were at one of the, well, been many other concerts, but, um, you know, we're always backstage with those guys and hanging out. And, but at one point Sarah remarked to Brent and, uh, Zach, it was like, you know, your, your concerts look like, like a 20,000 person, um, group therapy session. I mean, there's so much love and healing that happens and, and ice nine kills, for instance, and I invite you guys, you know, your, your, uh, your listeners to, check out Ice Nine Kills if you're into horror because they are, you know, they do this amazing, amazing show. I mean, the, the musicianship is through the roof, the harmonies, the guitars, the, you know, uh, Spencer Charles has an insanely good voice. He goes from opera to Broadway to, to, you know, deep throated heavy metal. And they, they, it's so theatrical, their performances. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, but I, I, you know, going back, I think, um, if you look at, and I, if you haven't seen the documentary, uh, Moon Age Daydream on David Bowie, uh, I invite you guys to do it. It's phenomenal. And I, yeah, I've, you I've see been wanting an to. incredible so, so artist that guy is. Yeah, it's, it's playing at our local. And uh, I see, it on the, see it if you can. Yeah. Oh, good, good. See it on the screen if you can. It's yeah. worth it because it's, it, it's worth it for the sound system. Yeah, I, I, I figured it was. I, I When I first saw that advertised, it's just, you know, we've got this little uh, indie theater down the street that has, you know, like two screens. You know, one is just like essentially a couch and a, you know, a large TV for the most part. But it does, you know, it's, it's got a nice sound system, everything. And it's also just nice to support the indie theaters and whatnot. And they've had it playing there for a little while. And I just, I've got to, I've got to see it. Uh, Bowie's probably, it might be my favorite artist of all time. So I'm, I'm glad we're kind of on that same Yeah, he's right up there for boat. me too. I mean, and just the way you talk about somebody who's able to reinvent themselves, but like not for the sake of just trying to like keep up but to keep ahead you know just being like let's not just reinvent myself let's reinvent you know genres of music and you know as opposed to just be like i've got to keep up because i'm getting old he was like you know what no screw it i'm doing i'm just doing a bunch of jazz now so you know he could just do what he wants um or did did what he wanted yeah yeah you know it's funny you know i walked out of that movie you know i looked at sarah and i was like damn i feel like a like a lump of coal this guy never wasted a minute of his life he was just constantly producing something and, you know, and it's, and I'm, I'm like, I mean, I, you know, I don't necessarily like grass grow under my feet, but my God, this guy, you know, and, 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 and the different iterations, you're right, the different iterations of his life and how he just was always a step ahead of the curve. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's just, uh, and, and he was so profound in his, I mean, he really believed that art could change humanity. And so he invested himself in that. And um and really challenge people's ideas of what it means to be human, and that's what we should do as artists. We should challenge people to to be better. Um, as we, this we should do as human beings. I mean, you know, whatever it is, our expression is what you guys do. If you're an athlete, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, whatever, 
we need to challenge each other to be the best that we can be. And I think David Bowie did that really effectively. Yeah, and he, he had a lot of people looking up for him, uh, looking up to him, and not just following. But you know, I think a lot of people would that kind of that kind of spirit is infectious, infectious when it comes to, uh, and not just the creative stuff, like you said with with sports things, you know, of, of that nature. When you're you know working with other people who can you know be inspired by what you're doing, but not just to follow, but to become leaders in and of themselves um, and follow you as an example, but not necessarily purely in your footsteps. And it's kind of a it's kind of the beautiful thing, especially with you know the creative you know, work that people do like with, with like Bowie. Um, and, uh, we're, we're going to get actually the funny thing about this 10th question is we didn't mean this to be a, a, a complete, uh, circle, but you kind of, yeah, we're uh, circling back to number one. Yeah, on We're circling one. back to number one <laughs> about candy and I'm going to let Scott take this yep. one. Here. You, uh, you mentioned that candy corn was your favorite candy as a kid. And the question is, yeah. what are the colors of candy corn from bottom to top? That is the fat end to the skinny end. What are the colors in order? Yellow, Orange, white, yellow, Ooh, orange, and white. Perfect. I, he's got I, a bowl in his lap. He's cheating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's just like, like, yeah. The guy, who's, the guy who just said he doesn't eat sugar is just eating a bowl of candy corn right now, <laughs> like like cereal with a spoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheat day. Uh, well, that, that, I just put it on top of my Captain Crunch. There you go. <laughs> yes. Captain oh, Crunch, and then. Oh, good. Yeah, no, uh, no I can really no taste the diabetes. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, no milk needed. You don't want to. You don't want to water this down. Um, that's that's awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to come back and chat with us. This is you know rounds out our trilogy as, as well as the Halloween ends uh, trilogy, or rather the Halloween trilogy with Halloween ends. Um, and we really appreciate you taking all the time to come back and chat with us these times. We've got a really great story. We've been able to keep up on what's been going on between movies, and it's great to get the arc, as you noted, uh, with the movie you know, being kind of a singular arc to be able to listen to all three of these uh, podcast interviews back to back to back and actually kind of get your arc because it's sort of the way uh, it ended up turning out that way. We'll pretend it was on purpose and uh, <laughs> that, that we, we saw that all along. We saw ahead. Uh, but we just want to thank you for uh, for coming again. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pleasure to be with you guys again. I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed it as I have the previous two times. And, and you know, tell your listeners to um, pay attention to my social media. I'm, I'm waiting a little bit longer um, until more people... I've had the chance to see the film, then I'm going to start releasing more and more of the behind the scenes stuff, which is, I think it'd be pretty fascinating. It's some, there's some pretty cool stuff in there. And, um, and you know, we'll all be doing that, but I've got a lunch, a bunch of that stuff that I'm just sort of holding. I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So I'm holding off for just a little bit, but I'll keep posting stuff in the meantime. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah thanks guys. And, and I'm sure at some point in the future, um, you know, one of the two films that we're brewing right now is, is actually, uh, a horror film and, and the other one is a very inspirational coming of age story. Um, so, you know, but uh, there'll be more horror um, uh, along the way. So I'm sure we'll have a chance to chat again. That would be, that'd be excellent. That yeah. Great, yeah. And I'll, I'll, as it is already, we mentioned this uh, in our, inter, in our intro um, that, you know, you are our first time, uh, third, third, Returning guest, I believe the only the first time we've had you as a three a three peat, I believe. Yeah, we've got a lot so of twos. No we, yeah, we've got some twos, but you were the first three peat. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll let's just keep going, man. Let's keep the streak alive. And uh, thanks again for for coming. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. Great to be here. Well, that was awesome. Uh, again, bittersweet, but it sounds like maybe we'll have a chance to talk to James G. Courtney in the future about some other future projects that we're pretty excited to, to be looking at. And uh, we hope you all enjoyed this interview. Uh, thanks again to James Drew Courtney and all his folks for uh, lining that up so quickly and when with such a busy schedule. We all really appreciate it. We love the trilogy, and we all hope you all out there have a great time and get lost. <laughs>